We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no. There's nothing better. That's why... When it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere. A nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says. Promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co-host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show. With your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 442. We're brought to you today by betonline.ag. Go check them out. You get a welcome bonus when you sign up using our code BLUEWIRE. Scott, are we going to have baseball? <laughs> You know, we were trying we were trying to do some math, and then we I think we got distracted and forgot about it. But trying to figure out how long it's been since we've actually podcasted an episode that had baseball attached to it, like actual live baseball, and that would be the World Series. That's not even Yankees baseball, but that would be the World Series. Oh, you don't count spring training? No. 
And I guess we could count spring training if we wanted to. That that would be something. That would be less. Fourteen weeks. That ago. would be less depressing if we if we knew that 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 number. But uh, but yeah, it's been a long time. So do I? Uh, baseball, yeah, it's, it's. I don't know. This is the same thing we talk about on a weekly basis if they're going to come back. And these two jackass uh, organizations are still sitting there staring at each other. So, you know, maybe. I still think we will. We just uh, they just need to hurry up. I don't know why we just keep delaying and delaying and delaying. It's no one's just just hurry up. The owners are going to get what they want. It's going to be a little less than they than they actually want, and then we're going to play, and it'll be fine. Let's just go. Who cares? Rosenthal wrote an article a couple of days ago, and he equated it to a marriage that just needs a divorce. And even before I read that article, I equated it. I put out a tweet, and I said, the players and the owners are that couple in college we all knew and we all hated. Because every time they showed up to the party, the life was just sucked out of it. Because they started fighting. They, and... they, fought, they fought the whole time. Yeah. But then they'd go home and have great sex. And I guess they would make up until the next, until the next night when they'd be back at the house party and everyone would be, and they'd be fighting. Yeah, I don't it. think that's happening. I don't think the good parts are happening right now. I think this is just... Well, I guess you could call that like a good, a good World Series or something like that is, is the great sex. Yeah. It's, uh, at this point, put it in a, put it in a, a smaller window, though. There's nothing. To ha- <laughs> there's nothing happening. There's no. They make it last. There's nothing. Four hours a night, baby. Good happening. They <laughs> they are just. Uh, they're just really playing chicken at this point. And and really, the it's MLB not moving. Uh, and and just like okay, fine. You want full pay? We'll just reduce the games. Full pay. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean they have clearly they've set a budget. They said we can we can afford X number of dollars, one point five billion in total player salary. I think is like the about the estimate of it. Passon wrote a great article about inside the financial workings of, of all this going on. <laughs> I call it an article. It's really like a math equation because there's like th- there's like a thousand numbers in that thing. It makes your head spin when you read it, but it is worth the time. But he's got nothing else to do. He might as well write great articles. I know. <laughs> but essentially, what the, these negotiations have shed light on is that the owners have decided we have X number of dollars that we can pay players with salary this year and comfortably suck up the losses, suck it up. And it doesn't matter if that takes place over 48 games, 80 games, a hundred games, whatever it's up to the players. Really? You want to take, you want to get full prorated pay 48 games. You want to, you want to play 82 games. You're going to get on a sliding scale pay, pay, uh, it's such a dad. move. This is such a parent move. Like here, look, I don't care how you spend your money. (laughs) <laughs> your your allowance is $20 a week. Once it's out of my pocket, it's not my yeah, problem. Whether you spend that on baseball cards or or candy or whatever it is, that's your that's your money. It's it's how you uh, how you choose to spend it is your decision. That's so that's such an 80s kid statement <laughs> because now kids are spending it like on I apps. Know. Like what well, what's the level up in Fortnite I can get? I almost I almost went behind I, I almost went like beyond my uh, I, said, I almost said chewing gum, which is not even which isn't even something that. How much does chewing gum cost these days? Like Twelve no cents. It's it's just uh it's such a parent statement though. Like here, this is what you have. Yeah. Live with it. I mean, in this relationship, I guess the the owners are the players and the excuse me, the owners are the parents and the players are the kids. Yeah, clearly, very clearly, it's the the uh, you know there there's been a a weakening I think of this association for the players association for a little bit yes it used to be the strongest and the most powerful and and and, you know swung a big stick and uh it's just really they have no leverage right now they have none they really well and their only leverage is not playing yeah well 
actually, I'm not even sure that's leverage. <laughs> so I'll, I'll talk. I'll talk about the leverage thing in a minute. But the players are still a very strong union, but they have lost power as the sport has lost popularity. Right. And I think there's like a one-to-one correlation with the decline in overall baseball as a national interest. And then you can equate that with the decline in the players' union power over the owners. Um, but to, to your point about the leverage that they have, in that article that uh, Passon wrote, he actually said he does not believe there'll be a strike. And this year, anyway, in 2020. It's not like that if the commissioner said, show up 48 games that the players would say, no, we're not showing up. They'll show up and play. He says the rebellion will come in other ways where they won't agree to be mic'd up. They won't agree to extra interviews with, um, with MLB you know, personnel. They won't, do, um, the, they won't agree to the expanded playoffs. So they'll basically do the bare minimum. They'll show up and do the bare minimum, yeah. just get a passing grade, mm-hmm. and then try and rebel that way against baseball. And I don't see that as much leverage because if I'm an owner – I say, you know what? Fine. Show up and do that. We're still going to put the games on TV. They're still going to get the ratings they were already going to get. We're still going to get our playoff revenue, where, which is all they really care about. Playoff dollars for TV money. So if I'm an owner, I'm kind of laughing at those things. If I'm an owner, I'm using that as fake leverage. I'm like, all right, fine. Like, you know, knowing, knowing that as soon as they start playing, they're going to do the interviews. They're going to do the extra stuff because it's just going to happen. They're going to be, they're going to want the attention back. They're going to want all of these things. So it's almost like, okay, fine. You know, we'll give you a concession. Yeah, they'll hold out for a week. Yeah. It's like a little bit of, it's like a little bit of sprinkling concessions in there that they know are complete bullshit statements. And it doesn't really matter about in the grand scheme of things. At the end of the day, all that matters is they come back and play. That's it. The rest of that stuff is just icing not, and not even icing, honestly, because those things are going to happen. Well, I just find it ironic that the, that players have complained in the past that baseball doesn't market its stars enough, and then their way that they would possibly fight back is to not do extra marketing. I find it ironic. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it that way, but at the same time, this is not the time that anybody really wants to, I guess, be spotlighted for certain things. I mean, I think it is an opportunity for certain players to stand out, uh, but at the same time, like you, they can use their own social medias for doing all of those things, you know. And I know, and I and I know that owners know that and at the end of the day which is more powerful a a regional sports network doing it or them doing it on their own twitter account or their own instagram exactly probably their own social media that's a really good point the players the players blame baseball for not marketing them enough but they have the power of marketing in their hands it's called a phone they can blast out an Instagram post or, or a Twitter post to to millions of people, and if it's good, it'll go viral. Okay, but that, but prob- that's that's not what I that's not totally what I mean because I think that's that's saying that MLB that's like giving them a pass almost because they have uh, social media to do things. Every no, no, every no, no sport, I'm not giving every a pass. Athlete has the ability to do that, you, but you didn't let me finish. Sorry, the amplification the, is the is the problem, but the, in this well, particular the pro- city. Well, just the problem is the it, there's a lack of interest. You can market, you can only market something that so many people want, right? Like there's well, this goes back to our debate about the the highlight reel. Yeah, the highlight reel, or if it's just like, do people care if Mike Trout's on a commercial? I mean, no. Be- well, they be- don't. Also, because Mike Trout just doesn't have a huge personality for them to get behind, and and some teenagers, okay. the teenagers, the younger kids might. Yeah, I think they do. I think people freaked out when Aaron Judge was in a commercial last year. No, no. 
Okay, Aaron Judge, though, Yankee fans care. Right. Does a Dodgers fan care? Or does a Mariners fan care? Or a Rangers fan care if Aaron Judge is on a Pepsi commercial? Well, probably not as no. much because it's baseball is Zero so hyper-local. It's so hyper-local. That's the problem. It's always going to be... It's getting more and more localized, too, as with each passing day. You follow your team, and if you're a fan of your team, you're a diehard fan, and you all you want to do is watch them every day and watch them win. I get that entirely. That's part of the reason why you and I love baseball. But... But it's never going to be the NBA. It's never going to be the it NFL. It used to be. Where it used to be. We used to have, like, I mean, this was a while back, though. You look back at the, the impact of Griffey, right? Just think about what Griffey was. Griffey yeah. walking up to the, uh, the you know, Derby hat backwards. He had the he had the style. He had the swag. He had the, uh, you know, the all of the, the theatrics with that swing. It was just like, it was just a beautiful thing. And he was, Bonds, too. Bonds, Bonds and Griffey were two, like, transcending uh, moments figures figures in the sport that went across uh sports you know local teams they they were they were I agree they were national celebrities and i think jeter got to that point for a little bit too i think in a different way but he got to that point but there's not very yeah, many the, of them i point to three things in the ni- three things in the 90s that went that got that baseball had on a national interest cal ripken streak yep the 98 home run chase and you can say griffey Griffey and and really just like the the and um, Nike because because he he attached himself to Nike and he became like the Jordan of baseball essentially yeah the the he was a cool factor he was yeah he really uh, was. he had the video game the Ken Griffey Jr. video game mm-hmm. um I mean he never got to Jordan level but he was like it, yeah he was the Jordan of MLB in the sense of like you want to be like Mike got to swing like Ken yeah, everybody like, wants, it was sort no of no one like, said Ken but everybody wanted to be like Junior or or Griffey yeah. or the kid. Yeah. Everybody wanted that swing. When you're in the when the backyard uh, playing wiffle ball, everybody was doing Griffey. Yes. You had, you had the bat wiggle. You had the sweet the sweet finish. Like when he was in the home run derby, you're watching that thing. Right. Now who's the biggest star star in the game? Like Mike Trout's the best player. He's not the biggest star. Yeah. Like it's it's hard to say who identify who the be, who the biggest star is. I think Bryce Harper's probably up there uh, as far as like guys that, but I don't, he's not likable. <laughs> I don't know how many I mean, people like is, him. He, is he though? I mean, is he the biggest you, you star? Gotta look I mean, at, like, I'm not saying at, you're at wrong, sales, but I think is the is probably one of the bigger, one of the things that will show you, you know, or their engagement on social media to to kind of tell who that guy is. Um, I okay, think Aaron but, Judge so, could okay, be. Fine. I think Aaron Judge could Let, be. I think he could go let's across say different teams. Bryce Harper. Let's just call him the biggest star in the game right now. If he, if he, are people turning on Phillies games to watch Bryce Harper? Are they saying, oh, my God, Bryce Harper's in the Home Run Derby? If you're just like a borderline casual baseball fan, are you turning on the Home Run Derby to watch Bryce Harper? Yeah, but that's also unfair, too, because it's such a different time in the sense that we have such a a bigger app, a bigger menu to, to look at anything we want. Like there's there's so many opportunities to, to find entertainment in other sports stars, whereas back in the 90s, it was on broadcast uh, television at prime time and you had to turn it on or baseball uh, uh, on a national level, there was one game on Fox on Saturday. And you know what I mean? Like there were opportunities to turn these games on and there were so, not the, the, these methods. Saying, of looking. Like, that's just the reality that we're living in today. And that's something that's the reality of baseball. It was, the my point of, is, is that sports. it's easier to highlight one player than it is now. It's okay. easier to, to it, stand whether out it's easier or not. Yeah. But it's easier to stand baseball's... out when you have no competition. Like you, the people that you heard about and Griffey obviously made himself that way, 
but but you heard about them more because they were in the news, they were on TV, they they were they were in the the cycle of things, and and that was because they were put there on purpose. So people, the the news, the the the, um, the TVs, the, the the newspapers realized who the interesting players were and leaned into that. Whereas now, like, how do you even know who's leaning into what until it's all over the place? It's just blanket coverage. Yeah, I, we're in agreement that that that's the reality of the landscape of baseball right now. But it doesn't seem like either side is acting that way. They're not understanding the the, the current status of their sport, the players and the owners. They're acting like everyone needs this, that as soon as we put this back on TV, people are going to inject it into their veins. And that's just not the case. Well... You and I will, but we're not the yet. We're not Every, we everybody listening the, to the show right now at this point is going to be injecting that into their veins, and and that's like three point four million people. Yeah. But but that's still the major, not the majority of sports fans. It's the, the very small minority of sports fans are are going to be are are dying for baseball to be back. When you see when you see that uh, what other sports are doing and the way that uh, baseball fanning compared to some of these other sports, yes, it's very different. And they are certainly coming at this as a, with an approach that their shit don't stink and everything's going to be hunky dory and just fine. Their shit stank right <laughs> yeah, now. at the end of this. They had something nasty. For I mean, base, basketball is going like this is probably a good opportunity to talk about what other sports are doing also because basketball is going going back at the end of July. That's in two months. Like that's what they're saying right now. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to go back in two months. Well, part of that is ramp up time. Fine, but that's two months of ramp up time, way less than you probably need for a uh, a baseball team, for for them to to get their timing and all that to to actually go back to like decent baseball. But yeah, they're going to be ramping up. They're they're going to be going back into a bubble on a campus. Essentially, baseball. Baseball's like, like, hey, let's just go everywhere. Take everybody. Well, go back to their their cities. We're gonna go. We're gonna expand the rosters. We're gonna bring people in. We're gonna we're gonna just be fine. It's gonna be fine. Let's go. Part years. of though the owners are probably looking at it like well, we don't want to produce more games where we're going to lose more money because we're going to be competing with playoff basketball in July when we come back. Yeah, oh, for sure. That's going to lose in the TV ratings. There's no doubt it's going to lose in the TV ratings. I, I, I think so. I think so baseball. Point, I don't know why people are complaining about a 50 game season. I mean, not, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about fans. Thank you, thank you. Okay, let's talk about that because the owners, the the players said 114 games. They went like way far to the to the right side. And then the and then the owners are like, "No, 48 games, way far to the left side." This is not a political yes. statement. Just I was wondering when right, that up and down. When that disclaimer was down. coming in. Way up high, way down low. Um and they're basically saying you can get your full prorated salary, but it's only going to be 48 games or you can play 82 at a discounted rate. Players are like, "Uh, f you. I'm not going to play for a discount." even though it would be more representative of an actual baseball season. And the funny thing is, based on the sliding pay scale that the owners last proposed, over 82 games, that nets more total dollars in the players' union pocket than full prorated play over 48 games. It's not much difference, but it's, it's a little bit more. So they would still be playing at a per-game discount, but it's more total dollars. Right. Um, you knew at some point that number was going to catch up to what they're doing right now. You knew at some point <laughs> that that was going to bite them in the ass. So whatever, whatever it is in the passing article, he actually broke it down. The numbers that the total gap 
between what the players want and what the owners want nets out to $10.8 million per team. And the way he arrived at that number is basing off all the information that has been provided to the players' union. Here's the caveat, though. The players' union doesn't buy all the information that, that the owners have provided them. So that's like distrust is like really the heart of the issue here. But based on all that information, MLB owners estimate they're going to lose $640,000 every day they put on baseball games. Collectively, as a, as a league, they're going to lose $640,000 uh, and then when you add that up, those 640,000 number of games between 48 and 82, it nets out to $10.8 million per team. Or as Passon put it, a decent number four starter. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy, um, the difference in... I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, I, I, I'm doing that gif right now with all the. It's the hard. No, no, no. It's head. hard. It took me a while to like even... I'm it not even sure, that seems fully like sure a I understand number. it. I agree. I don't believe that number. So it's $326 million total. I don't buy that number because I don't buy that that amount of money would prevent them from coming to a compromise. Right. That doesn't seem big enough. Right. No, it's not so, close to big enough. So I think that the numbers that we've been told, whether it's what the owners have provided the players or what the players have said they've been provided, they're not real numbers. Yeah, because if that's if that's per team, that's that's per owner, which means it's not. I mean, the three hundred twenty-six million dollars is a worthless number. No, no, it's the it's ten point eight. It's ten point eight. That's the number per team, right? That's what I'm saying. Like the big number looks big, but when you break it down per team, talking about per owner, like that's a drop in the bucket. It's nothing. But they say for every extra game that we play, we lose more money because it's more games that we have to produce without fans in the stands. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they said forty percent of total revenue comes from in-person money that's gate and that's, revenue and that's concession revenue merch purchases in person 40 percent uh e- merch which per- all that merch might- but that's okay the, if they're if they're using like a model based on 2019 game day sales and like i assume that's what they would be yeah, using right so it might be a rolling average whatever it is five years but it's something. it's something of recent data right you you almost have to take that and then well, now you got to add some some escalators, some some de-escalators, and, and figure out where that number could be if you change the way that you're doing things. Because it's not just going to be a zero line. There's not going to be like a, a zero sum difference. Whereas just because they're they're not there, like oh, no sales now. Zero, those those dollars are now out the window. No, those. Wait, wait, what do you mean? You're saying because like we're not operating. No, what so I mean is there are yeah. The, well, I mean I, I assume all that is figured in, costs. but but there are going to be new buying habits for people that are sitting at home. Because now more people are sitting at home in front of their internet, able to buy a jersey instead of waiting online. So my my point is that there's going to be different yeah. environmental concessions that that actually will probably contribute in some ways. And and yes, maybe it's still a net negative, but but these are just estimates. I know, but the thing is, is they're not. It, how are they projecting what could be if they were to get on the field and allocate resources in a different way so that fans are now more enticed to go out and purchase things or. You know, whatever were the difference in advertising costs if they were to put more coverage on. Like, that's where I want to know because there's ways to make money up. I'm not saying it can make all of it up, but there are definitely ways to make it up. Yeah. So in the article, he used the 40% number and he said some people believe it's closer to 35%. So that's not that much of a difference. No, I mean... it's just, and I, and I know it's such a small time. I'm trying to pour coffee. It sounds like I'm taking a leak, but I'm trying the. It's such a small time frame 
to like figure out these Scott little coming to you live from his bathroom. These little transitions um, uh, on how to increase the dollar amount or or whatever it is to absorb and, and to try to like make that shock less. But there's ways to do it. I mean, really, like you could they could get with the Instagram team right now and figure out a way to like push. Uh, merchandising on Instagram and probably do a hell of a lot more money than they ever had on that social media if they were smart and actually went across and started thinking about different ways to go. But they're, you know, who knows if that's actually happening or doing things because... Yeah, I think that's like losing the point of, of all of this to show that what we've been told, the gap doesn't sound that big, but they're still so far apart, so far apart. So I don't really buy that number as being the real number. But in reading... In reading about it, it, it really is the distrust thing is like the biggest holdup here. Neither side trusts each other and they hate each other. Why fact. do you say the trust though? Everything's written down. It's a, it's a matter of either agreeing to it or not. There's no like gray area in trust. It either yeah, is or it the, isn't. The players have to, the union is, tr- the owners provided the union with financial data. Right. They didn't, they, they just said, these are our numbers. Trust us. The union is saying, we don't trust you. Right. But I feel like that's okay. So you're just saying the the um, data purely the data, like the trust there. Who cares? Like they, even if they're if it's off by a hundred percent, look at I mean, does that change things in the way that you're operating your business? Like you're just trying to get those numbers out there. Like everybody wants everybody wants transparency so that numbers are out there and and we can now make a, a full decision, right? Like I feel like that's more of a PR move than it is a negotiating tactic. They could do their own estimates just the, just the same on the back end. They're not stupid. Like they could figure out no, these numbers half. probably. Right, that's my point. So the, the fact that they did, like, yeah, okay, they give us bogus numbers. We already knew that. We, we knew what they were but going to be. Like it shouldn't really affect the negotiations, honestly. It's also distrust. It's posturing. In- it, but it's also distrust and like we know there's a new CBA that needs to be negotiated at the end of next year. And, and it's, it, you're, you're, you're trying to negotiate with another entity that you actively despise and don't trust. So you're not going to give an inch now when it could cost you a mile next year. Or not giving That's an the inch position. now will cost you two miles next year because of the They don't lack seem of to care. They're looking at this very short term. Yeah. It, it, both sides are looking at this very short term, I think. Um, and the owners want the short season They're They could actually make more money or to put it another way, lose less money by putting on a shorter season with an expanded playoff. So 48 games of regular season and then seven teams in each league with, an, you know, the wild card, expanded wild card round division series, championship series, world series playoffs nets them. $800 million or more in total revenue. That's what they care about. Yeah, they do. I mean, there's until everybody just like puts their cards on the table and say, look, this is the bottom line. This is the bottom line. Unless we can find somewhere to, to meet in the middle, uh, this ain't happening. And they just need to hurry up and get to that point instead of this back and forth. that's dragging on forever. That's the pro- the biggest problem with this is the, is the length of time that it's taking. It's not even so much the negotiation. It's like, okay, fine. You guys can all have your hard lines, but goddamn, quit waiting it out. Like nobody's sweating this thing out more than, and I know that's what the owners are oh trying to God. do. I think the owners are trying to sweat out the players at this point and be like, you know what? Fine, whatever. Let's just play. Well, the longer this goes on, it's better off for the owners because they get what they want. I, that's because that's the thing. September 27th. Everyone's focused on when is the season going to start? Is it going to be July 1st, July 4th, July 15th? 
September 27th is the day you need to know. That is the drop-dead date the regular season needs to end for the owners, for them to ensure themselves they get a full playoff schedule. So it doesn't matter when they start. They're ending on September 27th. And every day, every day that you wait, your allowance is going down one nickel. (laughs) Um, And yeah, you mentioned about the wasted time. March, they came to that agreement. Stuff shut down middle of March. They came to the agreement, prorated agreement on March 26th. There was so much unknown with coronavirus at that point. That's 12 days after the shutdown. The 14th was the first official day, I think. There was so much unknown, though. The first couple weeks of April, I feel like, was the most turbulent time for information on COVID, right? Every day, things were changing. We don't, like, the, the, um, we went from it being a two to three week shutdown to probably two to three months shutdown in, the, in that two weeks. Yeah. So in that time, baseball just sat back and said, yeah, we have an agreement. We're not going to worry about the financials right now because we have an agreement. Knowing full well things are going to change. Life as we knew it on March 26th was way different on April 15th. Yet they just sat back. They were talking about how to get back on the field. We had the bubble cities. We had the Arizona plan. We had the spring training east-west plan. Nothing about financials. May 12th was the first financial proposal presentation. Excuse me. First financial presentation on May 12th. It took until May 26th for the first proposal. Presentation May 12th, first proposal May 26th. What the hell are you doing between the 12th and the 26th? Gotta leak that shit out to Twitter, baby. Gotta leak it out. Gotta see what the people have to think about it. May was spent just dicking around. You got a holiday in there. You gotta like, you know, wait, account for the holiday because everybody's doing things. Yeah, let's drop the most important thing. We know the most important piece of information. Let's drop it at Friday at 4:59 p.m. before Memorial Day. <laughs> yeah, it's uh that that's that's the biggest hang up here is the amount of time that it's taken. It's like it's like moving uh, you know, a, a cruise ship or just like a, a large freighter. It's like yeah. Let's go. It's like trying to turn the Titanic away from the iceberg. My god. Yeah. I mean, you see now the cruise ships, they like turn. Have you ever seen that in like the ports? Or they literally just like turn on a, on a dial. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Can we just do Titanic? Can we just do that? Yeah, I wish. Let's just do that. Let's just pivot. Let's just pivot and play baseball. The, uh, the, Let's go out and have a four-hour four hour international waters and have a party cruise. We don't have to go anywhere, but we can have a party cruise. So I found some, I, I was just, I had time to kill this weekend. So I was just looking. So there was a, a line in the article, the passing article, it said players have too much pride to let the on-field baseball suffer. And I kind of laughed at that because I think the on-field baseball has suffered in the last decade. And I'm not blaming the players. It's, it's an amalgamation of things. Amalgamation, but I just, huh? I looked randomly at the average time of World Series games. 1989, the average World Series game took two hours and 55 minutes. 10 years later in 1999, it took three hours and six minutes. 10 years after that, it took three and a half hours. And then this past year, 2019, it took three hours and 44 minutes. Has the game changed so much in that 30 years that it went from 255 to 344, almost a full hour increase to play a freaking baseball game? I would be very curious to see the amount of advertisements in that game in 1989 uh, all the way up into 2019 and compare what the not I'm not talking about dollar amounts I'm talking about volume of advertisements and gap and You're saying commercial breaks yeah commercial breaks have increased have increased but also 
the fact that you're looking at 2019 compared to 2000, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 1989, you see relief pitching has completely changed. So there's a lot more of a lot more time for those things to come in because of the slow walks of the mound. Uh, and, and so you're, you're, you're evolving. That's, that's a, that to me, the pitching is probably one of the biggest reasons that that is actually happening. Um, and then the, the strikeout home run ball, but that doesn't equate as much. Cause if you look further back, cause there actually wasn't that much of a, um, a, a difference between, uh, 2009 and 2019, 330 and 344. 14 minutes, yeah. 14 minutes between 09 and 19, 14 extra minutes to play, uh, your average world series game. Yeah. Yeah. It's my point is it's going up every year. Little by little, it's going up every year. And you say, oh, 2018, the average game in baseball took three hours and six minutes. And then 2019, it took three hours and seven minutes. What's a minute? Who really cares? But when you add up a minute every year over the course of 30 years, it's a freaking long time. Yeah, it is a long time. Uh, I'm looking up right now what the average football game is right now. So give me a second. Average NFL playoff game. Average NFL playoff game. Yeah, but it's, it's different though playoff NFL football games first of all there's a clock so you're counting down to, to an end point there's one of them right it's one of them it's not every night right it's one once and then you move on to the next day okay that's a big difference that is a big difference it's it's not you're you're not asking people to invest night after night four hours of their time no it's all I'm saying is like the 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 I think that the two sides need to focus on they're going to focus on the money, but really in the next CBA, I really want to see them focus on how do we make the on-field product more palatable to the general public? How do we get it back to an action-packed three hours, not a slow-moving three-hour, 44-minute thing? I think that's so important for, to the long-term success of Major League Baseball. The problem with that, though, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think the, 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 the game when, when there's more action happening, extra base hits... Um, guys running the bases, all of those things are more exciting and more fun to watch in, in a culmination of, of an entire baseball game. People love the home run ball, uh, but I think to me that's just a more exciting uh, product. And you're right. When you have those, those things, then you're getting the more compact game as well because things are happening, outs are happening faster. The problem is, is that it took so long there's such a been a shift in baseball in the way that it's taught also. Like this is not just a, a an MLB oh, issue. This is going totally. all the way down to Little League and how kids are being taught how to play. It goes down to the amount of analytics. It goes to analytics, analytics play a big factor right? in here. But I mean the the analytics are are swaying how coaches are teaching uh, at a younger age. It's not like they're using the analytics as much oh. at a younger age, but all these travel ball teams like no at the major league level analytics are you find out okay i can strike out 200 times a year if i hit 45 home runs so i'm just gonna worry about walking and hitting home runs and that takes longer right and and the point is is that like analytics are 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 swaying what they're doing at a higher level and you know high school college probably too but what kids are seeing are, are the results of those analytics which is launch angle yeah. right and and take and walk so you start seeing the like kids being taught launch angle at a young age. They don't know why they're not like, Oh, analytics, analytics. They just know they need to get the ball up and try to try to do that. So I think in a lot of these uh, younger generations, as far as when they're playing, they're also playing a hell of a lot more. They're playing in these, uh, these travel leagues. And a lot of them are year round with these coaches that are teaching, that are watching everything the pros are doing. And they're teaching them the same tactics, launch angle, this and that, like, and it's, it's changing the game at a very fundamental level. So it's not an easy change. 
No, I'm not saying that like 2021, there's a new CBA, you flip a switch and the game's back to three hours. No, I, that's not realistic. But you can make you can make changes that over the course of the next CBA might get the game on the right path. It might get the game on the right track to making it... People might be saying, Andrew, why do you care if the game is shorter? You're going to watch it regardless. That's true. But I want baseball to be exciting. I want it to be successful. I want more people to like baseball. So if more people like baseball and it's more of a national interest, maybe we don't have the owners and the players bickering over when they're going to get back on the field in a pandemic. Yeah. Right? We could, we could uh, what we could do, well, I mean, baseball fun at, at, the, at the corporate level is just such an old, old guy's sport. Uh, it's a club, man. That, that they just they just don't want to release any any power on either side, and they will go to the depths of hell to to hold on to that power. And that's one of the biggest problems. There's no concession at all. Um, the uh, the game itself, like you could actually make an impact and really show, uh, 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 I think, a result in the way that you play if you change the ball back to the way it was. If the, if the ball is indeed juiced. And you actually went back to a higher seamed ball that pitchers are now in a little bit more control and they're able to do things. Guess what? When those balls are becoming, the, the home runs are becoming uh, fly outs to deep right and deep center and deep left, whatever they are, guys are going to turn that launch angle down a little bit and start spraying the ball and, tr- and start uh, re- remembering how to bunt again and hit, go the opposite way and hit into gaps and do all these things. Like you start taking that away and then the other possible change, we could get down this rabbit hole. But the shift, the shift took away so many base hits. Yep. You just if you if, don't if allow you fund, shifting. If you just get rid of the shift completely, you have like you can only go. Uh, shortstop cannot go beyond second base. Second base cannot go beyond the actual bag. You do things like that, you'll start. You'll start to see more of that. Um, you'll start to see more of that other thing uh, of the of the baseball being. Well, sprayed. because then because then a player can then just say, "I'm going to hit the ball hard." And it might, it's going to find the hole, the second base, first base hole, like it normally would. There's not going to be a short right fielder to catch the ball. I talked about this with Robert Flores um, way back, like two years ago, I think. We were talking about, it was like, I was like, well, what do you want to see change in baseball? And he brought up the shift. And at the time, I was like, you know, that's just like a, that's a, that's a progress, that's like progress uh, that baseball made. Like, there's no rule against it. That seems silly. It's kind of like changing the th- positions. The more I think about it, like you could so easily implement a rule. Shortstop, you cannot cross the second base line until the pitch is thrown. So if the guy wants to dart over there after the ball is out of the pitcher's hand, fine. He's still not going to be in position. Yeah. Momentum going actually, away. Yeah, yeah like that's going to be that's going to be a shit show. So they probably wouldn't do that. But you could just make that one little change. Shortstop, you can't go on the right side of the bag. Second base, you can't go on the left side of the bag if you're looking at it from the batter perspective. I think that could make a huge difference. It would, because if you think about what the shift has done as well, I mean, look at look at Mark Teixeira's career, the end of his career. Like, oh, yeah. it, it essentially ended his career. He came to the Yankees a 300 hitter, and he left a 230 hitter. So when these guys are, are they're like, I can't spray the ball anymore. I can't hit the ball for a single and get on base anymore. I have to hit it over the shift. That was a big part of why the analytics started turning the guys into this launch angle, because those base hits that used to happen – before the shift, we're not happening any longer. And they're like, well, we got to figure out now. The defense made their change, so now offense has to make their change. And that's part of what happened with the, the, the shift in the way that uh, baseball's offense has turned into what it is today, home run or strikeout. A lot of it has to do with the shift. 
and trying to yeah. get around it and being so frustrated because you're making good contact, you're doing what you want to do, you're driving the ball up the middle, and there's a guy hanging out there. Uh, or if you you know you're hitting that uh, that that gap in in between the shortstop and second base, and there's a guy there now. Or you're hitting a line drive single, and there's a guy there now. Like that that's changing the way that the game has always been played forever. So that was their way, one of their ways to shift their mentality is to go over the shift. We're gonna go through the shift. Yeah. Um, other sports have zone infractions, neutral zone infraction in, in football. You can't cross this line before. The ball is snapped. Basketball, you can't be in the right. There's like rules. You can't be in the paint. <laughs> I don't know basketball. For yeah, sure. there are. T- there's an amount of time that you can be in the paint. You can't. Camp. Yeah, or like hockey, you can't cross the. Is it the red line, the blue line? I just oh, am boy. so ignorant oh, on other sports. <laughs> yeah, there, it's. it's I, like know an offside foo- I know football and baseball, and that's it. So there are there are definitely zone infractions with uh, with where the ball is, where you can be. You know, compared right. so to other baseball people. could do it. Like, why can't baseball do it? It's not that outlandish. It's not. It actually would go back to what they were doing before. It's just a matter of uh, there's a rule now because of it. No, it's really not that crazy. And, and if they wanted to, it would it would inc- it would help everything. Honestly, the shift yeah. and Joe Madden uh, fundamentally changed the way baseball was played. Yeah, even though the first shift was actually in the 40s for Ted Williams. Fine, but Joe Madden made this thing on. You're talking to a professor. Absolutely on a daily basis. Oh, yeah. It went from shifting for one guy in baseball to shifting for every guy. Shifting by the numbers. Yeah, now we're shifting, not because this guy is so damn good, but because this guy just goes this way. And we know this guy goes this way, so we're going to stack the side. It's it's pretty crazy how, how much it's changed. But yeah, that's a bonus. That's an easy one. Bonus. We don't have to hear John and Susan bitch about the shift every night. I kind of like it. <laughs> Part of me loves loves their complaining. Uh, I want to tell you guys about Bet Online, our exclusive partner. There's no shortage of action going on at Bet Online. There's no there's a shortage of action in baseball, but not at Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports you can get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7. You can also participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, which is a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And right now, live on their YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive interview with ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the MJ documentary. They're calling this the final dance. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline is your online wagering solution. Scott, with no sports, are you... Because I know you got in a little action. You got a little betting action going on every now and again. Yeah. You you missing that? Um, I used to be a big NFL guy. I always had a guy, though, you know, because it was... No- right, this is different. Now we got betonline.ag. That's your new guy. Now, now betonline.ag is my new guy, and... The, uh, the, the whole, the ability to, to wager on esports is very interesting. That scares the shit degenerate, out of Degenerate, degenerate MFers, man. You, you going, uh, you, you throwing some bets on that, but I'll tell you what, people, people are sitting at home doing nothing and are bored <laughs> and want to get some action. It's a good thing to do. You know, uh, I, I've, I've actually started to get back into the, uh, the online casino games back in the, like, like, like back in the day. That's, uh, like online that's, poker. Yeah. Yeah. Online blackjack's really my, uh, my vice. 
But I'll, I'll do that. I feel like I have a better chance. <laughs> just come to find out you're just spending thousands of dollars a week on online blackjack. Yeah. Actually, the, the fact that these guys are sponsoring us right now. How many just, welcome bonuses? How many fake emails you create to get that no, these, welcome bonus to get back up? If, if we're all being honest, with the, the reason these guys are sponsoring our show right now is just to pay off my debt. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You mentioned um, why is everyone so upset about a short season, right? People are crying about 48 it. games. Oh my 48 god. games. Oh my god, it's a disgrace to baseball. This would be a disaster. They use the argument that bad teams could get into the playoffs. They say, "Oh my god, look at the Nationals last year after 48 games. They were below 500 and they won the World Series. The Nationals, our World Series champions, wouldn't be in the playoffs this year." And then I went back and I was like, "Okay, that's that's like that's that's the that's the exception, not the rule. You don't have a Nationals every year." being below 500 after the 50-game mark, winning the World Series. Most of the time, the good teams are good from the beginning and the bad teams are bad from the beginning. I will fully grant you 48 games is not a baseball season. It is not long enough to say, to weed out all of the crap, okay? You're going to get some crap in there. It's just a fact. It's not a big enough sample. But if my options are zero games or 48 games, how is this a debate? Seriously. I, I don't really, at this point, nothing's going to feel like a real season anyway. So who cares? Who cares how many exactly. games they play for, uh, on a fan exactly. side? I just want you guys to play. I just want to turn my base, my TV on at seven o'clock and be able to watch the Yankees. I don't care in what capacity it is anymore. I really don't. I just want to watch these guys play baseball. Is that so, is that so fundamentally wrong with, I don't Apparently, care. Cause everyone on Twitter has to have a, has to have an issue. I, I joked that if baseball came out tomorrow and said, we've agreed 161 games in 2020. <laughs> People would be like, oh my God, it's not a full season. Asterisk, doesn't count. Playing in the snow. No, yeah, just play. I, you know, I know the players are jockeying for, for more money. Fine. At some point, let's just play baseball. I don't care how many games there are. It's going to feel different. It's always going to feel It'd different. Cool. Everybody should just understand that. Was it part of you kind of interested what 48 games looks like? At this point, I'm interested in what baseball looks like, period. But like, we've never seen 48 games. That's a 48-game sprint. That is the last two months of the season. That's basically trade deadline on. Everyone has the same record at the trade deadline. Sprint to the playoffs. Three-game losing streak? Holy shit, we might miss the playoffs. Load management for Glaber Torres? F out of here. We're not doing that. We're not sacrificing one of these games. Part of me is really excited to see this. I mean, I could definitely get very excited and hyped up about a 48-game season. I really could. And then you still have to win in the playoffs. That's what people are ignoring. They're like, oh, a crap team could get into the playoffs and win the World Series. They could. But if a crap team gets into the playoffs, they still have to beat the Yankees. They still have to beat the Dodgers. They still have to beat the Nationals in the playoffs. The playoffs are still happening. They're still a seven-game series. They're still five-game series. They're actually more series in the wild card round. So if the... Well, who, who's a crap team? Pick one. Uh, Pick a crap the team. The Baltimore Orioles. Pick a less crap team because they have no shot. <laughs> Cincinnati Reds? Pick the Cincinnati Reds. Actually, they could be pretty good. I mean, they're they're, they're like one staff. of those, those fringe teams. You know, that could be... They're a fringe team. Yeah. The, the, you want, you want a different could, example again? No, 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 no. No, The Cincinnati Reds are a perfect example because they could, in theory, have, after 48 games... They could be. They could have twenty five wins. Yeah, right. I, and that gets them into the playoffs. Teams like that, but maybe like over one sixty two. Maybe after one sixty two, that team that 
is good after 48 games is like 84 wins after 162, and that's just not good enough. But that team that is mediocre still has to beat the Yankees. Look, in a seven-game series. This year is different. I, it doesn't matter how many games there are because it's different. I think at this point, even a championship, I don't call it a World Series, call it whatever you want. I don't care what you call it. It doesn't matter. It's going to be a sweet thing because there's been so much bullshit around this year. We've all been just struggling with our own things, with the national pandemic, with the world issues. There are so many just things surrounding this baseball season. If they go out there and play, whoever wins... It's going to be a sweet victory, whatever they call it, however they look at it, because there's going to be all of these things that you've overcome now to beat the same, to beat all these teams that are also on the playing field. Everybody's out there. Thank you. Everybody's Everyone's playing. out there doing the same yeah. thing. It's not like the Yankees played 48 games and everyone else played right. 162. We're not comparing no, this to everyone 2019 played one, six, or 2018. We're comparing it to 2020. It's in a vacuum. This is different. It's a different year. It will be remembered forever. Ever. In fact, I could argue that this year will be more memorable, whoever comes out on top, than the, the previous five, six years because it is such a difference, such an outlier, such a, a season in a vacuum because of all of the things that are happening. So in fact, this year could actually mean more for history. The way history looks back on this year, uh, I think could be either whether it's meaning more or just remembered differently, which will in fact put it on the top of the pile uh, in the history books, it's going to be a big deal. They should win. I don't care who, what it's called. Just win it. What about the integrity of the game, Scott? What about the records? What if someone hits 400? Are we going to look at that 400 batting average the same way we look at Ted Williams' 400 batting average? No. It's just, it's just like everybody under, has to understand that this is different, and it is what it is, and that's fine. It's okay, because right now we are where we are, and nothing's going to change so, what's already happened. So they haven't played. We're now in, in June with no baseball. Give me baseball, and I'll figure out later how to feel about it. How about that? So I, as, as you know, like I'm, I love history. <laughs> I've been getting into all these history episodes, and I, I've, I fancy myself a baseball historian now. I think, though, one of baseball's biggest problem is its attachment to making sure the present lines up with the past. Meaning that someone would actually sit here and say, I don't want 48 games because someone could hit 400 and then that would be looked at in the same context as Ted Williams. If that's what baseball is worried about, if we're They're worried, not about worried about 70... About that. They're not worried about but that. But that's an argument they use is my point. I don't think baseball if, is if, using it. And I don't think... The, I, think it's a, no. I think it's a fan that... that it's a fan that, thing. That doesn't know enough about baseball is using this. So a fan that is... That is also leaning on something that doesn't exist. Because guess what? These records got blown up starting in the steroid right. era. All these records are gone. You look but at like the same still certain records. There's still certain records that are... Longevity like records. They're 400. No one's hit 400 since Ted Williams. People have, have almost hit 400. Like, um, didn't Tony Gwynn hit like 390 one year or something like that? Bro, we just talked about the difference in the way that the game is played right now. Ain't nobody no, hitting no, no 400. Shift. <laughs> yeah. Ain't nobody, nobody's hitting 400. DJ LeMahieu. DJ LeMahieu might hit 400, and I will count it. <laughs> That's the only uh, exception. No one can hit, no one can have a 52 game hit streak if they only play 48 games. That's true. <laughs> Can't break that one. What if someone hits every game for 48 games this year, and then they hit three, the first three games of the playoffs? 
50. No, uh, that would be 51. Math. Math. What if they hit the first five games of the playoffs? Wait, how many? What was the? 56. Oh 56 was the. <laughs> it was 56 game hit streak. What if they why hit do you, 57? Why do you think, they, why do you think the, the hit streak wouldn't count? I was just trying to make a joke. <laughs> that was the, like, there's that's not the enough one, games. That's the one that would count. No, but if, if the only way you could get to 57 games this year is to have playoff games. And playoff games don't count for regular season records. Yeah. In baseball. Right. So, so, so it'd be funny, like, how people would look at that. But, like, again, if people are looking at records to say, I don't want 48 games, you're completely missing the point. And, in fact, I'd say baseball is doomed. If there's, they have fans out there that say, I don't want 48 games because the integrity I, of I'm the, not the give, sports for I'm not going to give these people that much credit because, honestly, it's, that's, not a, that's in nobody else's mind. That's not a real You would be surprised that is not how a real many responses. Reason. That is not a real reason. If you are worried about any kind of record. I got a ton of responses saying something similar in vain to the records. And guess what? All of those people will be very happy when baseball is on, even in a 48-game series. It doesn't, it's a, <laughs> doesn't matter. That's what I said. I was like, oh, so you're not going to watch? Yeah. It's gonna be on. You're not. You, you can't. You can't. You can't turn it on because of the integrity. Oh my! My eyes. My pure eyes. <laughs> the integrity. That guy might get up. That guy might actually hit 400. Yeah. No. No. Nobody's gonna care. It's just. It's people are bored and are saying things because there's nothing else to say. So they're putting their their stupid thoughts into the wind and talking about it. But just put the baseball back on the field. Everybody will shut up and watch it and be happy because there's baseball. Guess what? We actually have a couple mailbag questions this week. Nice. We haven't done mailbags in a long time. There's been nothing to send in your mailbag about, but we got a couple this week. If you do want to ask a question, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, or you can DM us or tweet us or whatever you want to do. First one's Johnny Simpson. We've heard a lot about the owners as a group in these negotiations, but to single out one individual, what do you think the Jeter, what do you think Jeter, the CEO thinks with his love of the game? The idea that there might not be a season probably pains him. Is Derek Jeter a play, not was not a player that long ago, but now in an owner's spot, right? It's a very romantic way to think about baseball and people who are involved in baseball and Derek <laughs> Jeter, who is our beloved captain. It's a very romantic way to think about these things, about him being in pain that, that these things aren't <laughs> happening. You know, he's a minority, he's a, a minority owner in the set, like 4%. Yeah. So he's a, which is a lot, which don't get me wrong. That's a lot when you, when but you think he about is the ownership. Like, if you Google who's the CEO, who's the owner of the Marlins, Derek Jeter comes up, even though he's, he's a part 4% of the group. Owner. He's the representation of the group. He's I, the face. I get it. Do I, do I think he wants baseball? Sure. He wants baseball back. He knows the Marlins suck. He knows that they're probably going to lose a hell of a lot of money if they come back. Um, the, the romance of, of the love of the game thing, like, I think that gives way too much credit to people in general. Um, I don't think that he's upset. I think that he's looking at this in, in a financial aspect. I also think that he's looking at this as he knows his team sucks and another year beyond this will be better for the Florida Marlins because there will be more, you know, their younger guys will be a little bit older, progressed, even though development's probably stunted a little bit. They're doing things other places. I don't think he, I don't think it matters in the Marlins organization as much as it does for somebody who's a uh, contender this year. Isn't it interesting how like players who are recently retired, like we had Mark Teixeira come out with those comments saying I'd play for nothing. Like it's so easy for him to take the owner's side now now that he's no longer in the players' union, he's no longer on a big contract. Like, he's got his money. I gots mine. Mark Teixeira gots his already. 
So it's like when players are no longer in the game, they side with the owners. Because they have aspirations of doing things further, which is probably in ownership or being on some kind of an ownership group like that. Yeah. So they're, they have an agenda. Also, don't forget that these guys all have agendas, whether it's when they're, when they're playing or when they're retired. They are still trying to get theirs in, in a different way. And, and they're, trying to, they're trying to forward their career and, and make sure that whoa, it's in Whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're good. saying everyone's just trying to get some Yes, everybody has an agenda. So uh, those guys are speaking out, trying to be like the voice of reason, the voice of, hey, I'm, I'm going to posture to the, to the way of the fans. Do fan. it for the love of the game. Yeah, the fans. Just get out there for the I love of the game. I just want to be out there. It doesn't matter. I just want to watch I'd play guys. a kid's game for free if I could. So... I don't know. I think Derek Jeter, the CEO, thinks very differently about the the game and his organization than Derek Jeter, the player, ever thought about it because he was such a competitor and was there for the, you know, for the in, the individual game uh, and and the fact of winning because he had a way to control that. It's just a different atmosphere for him right now. So you know, yes, do I think he loves the game? Sure, uh, but I think it's more of a dollars and cents thing for him and making sure that. The organization that he's now in charge of is progressing uh, further, and I don't think this really changes too much for that. You want to read the next? Yeah, the next one is um, from Lee Jones, longtime listener. Lee Jones over in the UK. I loved hearing your debate about making the regular season games more meaningful, and I was intrigued by Andrew being so receptive to a point system. So I wondered what you'd think about this proposal, which I'll admit is a bit controversial uh, uh, from an American sports perspective. And here it is. Three points for a win in nine innings. Two points for a win that requires extra innings or a tenth inning. Ten being the new limit. One point each team gets for a draw, i.e. the score is uh, is still tied after ten innings. Your thoughts. I'll go first. Okay. That's like hockey, right? You get, you get, it's similar Mm -hmm. to hockey in the sense that you get points for uh, a draw. We call it a tie in the States, you know what I'm saying? But... The, they, they are there. There, there is a tie. There is a tie. Same thing with soccer. There's a tie. There's the ability to tie. Baseball doesn't have that. The only time that ever happened was when Bud Selig said, "Dip, dip. We're dip, we're we're closing it. It was All Star game. We've gone too long. We don't want but that. Didn't count. And and then we're just gonna tie. It's just gonna have a tie. That's the only the time it's really happened. Um, yeah. I, so I think Americans would absolutely be very upset about this. Very upset no, about but, a tie. But hockey has has. Um, we're not hockey, hockey fans. Has yeah, the baseball fans are they, not hockey fans. No, no, but they have shootout. So there's a result. That's that's it. There there, there could be, a, but there's also a draw. You can also have a tie. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. Forever, you can have a tie. Yes, you get a point for a tie. You walk away. No, no, you get a point, but there's still a winner. One team gets more points than the other team. In literally by the like literally that means you beat them. You got more points than them. You beat them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what year that was implemented because you're about to be exposed again on your hockey knowledge. But keep going. Oh, you're saying that it wasn't always the case. Right. There was, that shootout oh, didn't okay. exist. Yeah, I don't. Maybe. But the shootout now exists and, where, and where one team will get more points than the yes, other. Yes, but my point is, is that this, what he's saying is that there's a tie. That's it. Just a tie. Yeah, but you could even do it so there is no tie. You could, like, you could take that, his... That's, our, ster- that's could, our old steroid guy coming out and doing the home run derby. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, being the result, being the, the difference, you could do skills competitions in baseball, no, right? Takes too long. No, yeah. You know what? The home run derby would also take like 45 minutes. Not if you have <laughs> like just the shootout and hockey steroid guys going five minutes. The, the, the shootout in hockey could take a little while too. Cause you got to go back and forth. It's a pain in the ass. 
but the thing is, it's, it's exciting though. It's exciting. So yeah, the home run mm-hmm. derby would be, you know, you have to get a guy who's not fatigued at that point. Guy who's, you know, what on, if you just do the guy cycle. who was supposed to be up next in the lineup? No, because he's already played 10 innings. So he's tired. Then we're going to wait. No, we we got we to wait for that guy to hit a home run now. But it's fair. It's fair. If, it's also fair if you have your own. If goon. Gio Urshela was due up next, he's the Yankee representative. And if Xander Bogarts was up next for the Red Sox, he's the Red Sox representative. So now we're going. Now we're going like twenty minutes in while these guys hit bleeders and line drives to the wall. You get ten pitches, most home runs out of ten. And if it, and if it and if it's tied after those ten pitches, then uh, then it's just the next guy to hit a home run wins. Like, or, if you hit a home run, you can get one to answer. If you don't hit a home run, you, you lose. Or, or we just have an extremely uh, roided steroid user who's fresh on a new cycle that is going Did up you there. you Canseco's tweets over the weekend? Yeah, he's a lunatic. I love it. You put the guy like that out there and just didn't mash, mash in the ball. Tater jobs. That's it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you just, you, you start going, if it's a tie, you go by tape measure. <laughs> like, that's it. <laughs> There's no tie. Literally, literally is a dick measure. Yeah, there's no tie at that point. So, Look, I, um, I think that people would uh, hate a draw uh, or a tie. I think that people would hate that, but I don't, you know, this is, this is you and Lee's discussion. I'm, I'm not in on the point system. No, no, no. This was not my point. This was no, not I think the this way was I originally Lee's mailbag uh, weeks ago, you know, in 2015. I don't even know what day it is, but. No, this just came in. He has he has talked about it before. No, I know he's talked about it before. My point system was based on one point for a win, and then you get an extra point if you win the three game series against the opponent. Because there's these bogus three game series in. I know there's four game series and two game series, but in this um, world, there would only be three game series. It's like you play you play the Red Sox for a three game series over the weekend. You don't get anything for taking two out of three other than those two wins. So why don't you juice it up a little bit, make it a little bit more exciting? You get an extra point if you win the series. That I mean, that's something, I guess. It's going to be hard. The, it's going to be hard to the do. The argument that in a short against season. that is you're saying no. I'm not saying for the short season. I'm saying for real baseball. Yeah. One sixty two. The argument against that is saying, well, then you're saying, oh, a, a single game could mean more than the one prior, and yeah, but you know what? Who cares? That'll get more ratings. Will it? I think Will so. it get more ratings though? I don't know. I don't think it might get, get more might get more people to go to the park. That's also dollars in the pockets of owners for for the people that don't draw in the first place, I guess. But for the ones I that think do, it also I think it also gets more teams involved. A hot streak gets you even so you further can you up can catch standings. up a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. If you sweep three series in a row, you get more points. You get a shit ton of points. Yeah, a nine game a nine game the winning streak suddenly becomes like fifteen points. Was that 2016 when the A's won like twenty games in a row, or ne- the, no 2017? The not the A's, the Indians won twenty two games in a row. 2002, the A's won like twenty one or twenty. Yeah, in that's a row. what I'm thinking of. They, uh, but that would be like that could that's a lot of points. You go, you could in theory be ten games, ten points back at the start of that win streak. You could be ahead at the end of that win streak. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I'm not saying this is the it's answer. It's a handicap. It's also, there's it's also saying now, now it also depends on what your division looks like too, because you're playing more series against your in-division opponents and you can culminate now way more points to feast on the Orioles and whomever else, you know, if you have a couple of shitty teams in your division. My... I think it's telling though that we're having this conversation because there's no baseball. You, 
No, no, no. If you told me in 2000, even in 2009, 10 years ago, that I would be at the point where I thought baseball needed to be more exciting, I'd, I'd say you're crazy. It's like, this is, this, this, is, this is awesome the way it is. But it's gotten to the point over the last 10 years where the regular, regular season is just not exciting enough. For the casual fan. Not even for the I think for a lot of baseball fans, almost four-hour games on a nightly basis where not that much happens. When you have a four-hour baseball game and the score is five to three and there were six solo home runs hit it's and there were seven pitching changes, I'm sorry. That's just not that interesting. I just I wish they would fool us full-time and just make all of the games start at 5.30 or 6 o'clock. Then we'd all think the games are shorter. Six six oh five starts. You know, games used to start um, seven thirty. Night games used to start seven thirty, and they moved it up to seven when they realized the games were ending too late. Oh yeah, novel concept. Let's, how about we just keep going? Move it up another half just hour. Just keep going. Now everyone's going to be working from home anyway. I guess in that theory, though, wouldn't be able to go to the ballpark. But okay, thank you for the mailbag questions, Lee and Johnny. Last couple things we want to talk about. So I know you have not listened to the Elston Howard episode yet, but um, I got some good feedback on it. People enjoyed it. I learned a lot about Elston Howard. I knew he was the first black player to ever play for the Yankees, but what he had to go through and, and frankly, unfortunately, the racism within the Yankees organization in the late 40s and early 50s was eye-opening, not in a good way, um, but really made me appreciate Elston Howard. And, you know, he's not in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think his overall stats don't warrant him being in the Hall of Fame, but what he, he he's one of these guys that meant so much to the Yankees. And his prime years were, were really spectacular. He won an MVP. But he was kind of bitten by the like the positionless player, right? He he was an outfielder and a catcher, which is odd. Like you don't see that every day. But he played like one season he played like over a hundred games. He caught, he played first base, he played right field, he played left field. No one does that today. Yeah. I mean, you could argue also that that versatility at a, at a time helps you get on the field too. It's a, it's one of those, mm-hmm. you know, two sides of, of a coin. No, I'm interested. I, I have, uh, I have been traveling all, uh, all weekend and, and kind of away from society, thankfully. Uh, so I'm looking forward to checking it out today and listening to the episode because he is an interesting uh, player. And when you look at all of the, you know, the things that happen as far as, we, just in baseball, not just the Yankees, but like, I mean, the fact that, you know, black players couldn't play in the major leagues un, until the, that barrier was broken is just, is just wild. And you look at, at how, um, you know, how good the players, some of the Negro League teams and even going even further back, looking at some of the, uh, uh, if you look back at the Mexican leagues and, and some of the, the leagues that uh, were played in Cuba, like the ba- there were some high level baseball played at a, for a very long time and none of those players were allowed to play with uh, the white players in Major League Baseball. So if you want to you cry about numbers and, and, uh, and, and what all these, um, the stats look like from baseball history, well, guess what? Ha- right. The, the, the half of the people that were, that were professional baseball players at that level weren't even allowed to play. So, you know, we could, we could talk about numbers if you want to, because that, that, uh, that argument goes way farther back um, when these guys were allowed to play or, or were only to, able to play against inferior competition because they literally would not let, uh, you know, good baseball players play with them. So, um, yeah, but you want to say baseball, uh, Babe Ruth's the best baseball player of all time. Well, he, he 
didn't play in an integrated league. Right. So he didn't play against the best competition. Yeah. The argument goes way further back than, than just uh, steroid allegations or a shortened season. Like there have been reasons why these numbers are tainted, honestly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm really looking forward to it because he is one of those guys. And I don't think a lot of people know a lot about Elson Howard, to tell you the truth. So I think it's something that everybody should not really out. mentioned, not really mentioned a ton um, just in Yankees conversations. Right. I, I, I don't, I don't specifically know why. I mean, he he was on a ton of championship teams. He actually lost the World Series six times, which is tied for a record as a player. Um, you know how Yogi said he was born at the right time to win ten championships. Yeah. Like Elston Howard, like was born at the right time to lose six championships. But being there like is crazy. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge yeah. amount. He still won four, but uh, yeah, it's just a really interesting situation and. Um, he he died young too, so maybe that's part of it. He died suddenly in 1980, so he wasn't even like alive when he got his number retired in his plaque ceremony. So he he died at the age of 51, so he'd still be around today, like around the organization today. And I feel like if he was alive in the 90s and 2000s, he would have been around more. Yeah. He would have been celebrated. Would, his more. face celebrated more. Face would have been there more. And I think you know um, he would be. Yeah, celebrated more over the last 20 years. We'd know more about him if he was alive. Right. Because um, think about like Yogi. Yogi was always around the ballpark after he made up with George. Right. He was always around the ballpark. Yeah, no, no. He was. Elston would have been right there with him. Yeah. Yeah, you could probably say that about a lot of guys as far as, uh, you know, being uh, having their time on the earth cut short. The fact that they would be highlighted more because, uh, because they're just here. Um, but yeah, no, that's a good point. That's a good point. We have an out of left field for you, but first, just want to remind people to buy coffee to get my dad on the podcast. So we've we're, we got about uh, twenty. We got twenty out of the hundred orders so far. That's good. I had a conversation because uh, my mom sees the orders. She's the one who does who like makes up the orders. So she saw them coming through to the website, and she's like, "Oh, like, what are all these notes about? Like, go on the podcast and stuff." So I told her I was like, "Oh yeah, like we're I, we said if a hundred people order, Scott's gonna go on the podcast." And she goes, have you told him that yet? I said, no, I'll tell him once we get 100 orders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the best way to do it, I think. You got to tell him at the end. Also just proves he doesn't listen. Right. That's okay. Um, but definitely get it up there. We need, to, we need to get that. We need to get him on. We need Ro- Roastmaster Rick on the mic bad. Yes. So the deal is code Bronx for 25% off your order, your coffee order at richardallencoffee.com. It's my family coffee company. Um, a couple people who know about Bronx Pinstripes have been ordering for for months at this point and and they saw it and they they love the coffee. Everyone who tries the coffee loves it. It's it's micro roasted. Like there's a ton of information on the website if you're into the process of coffee making. It's really high quality uh coffee. Um so go check it out 25% off your order. We're all at home anyway. You can't go out to your local coffee shop or chain or whatever. Got to got to got to roast up some beans at home. Yeah. It's delicious coffee. I drink it. It's Richard Allen Coffee, A-L-A-N Coffee.com. Out of left field. And that out is Sanchez destroys that to left field. There it goes. Deep to left. Really deep. In the air to left field. Back at the track at the wall. We are tied. I pissed on a public building. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I was able to get away this weekend for the first time in you know, since March, <laughs> I was able to, to actually get out of the house. We, uh, we took off, drove to the mountains, 
I had an Airbnb. They opened up short-term rentals again. We were on a, uh, a cattle farm that was, uh, it's huge. I mean, huge. 966 acre cattle farm. It's like this sprawling land of just cows and, and uh, just. You have all 900 acres to yourself? Yeah, pretty much. Them, them uh, the cows and us, you know, and a couple of farmers working the, working the land. Um, but yeah, pretty much. So we were able to get out there and I was expecting like, you know, a couple of days of good sleep. You know, you're, you're, you're just relaxing, reading some, I have like a stack of magazines that I haven't read that I've been, uh, that have been sent to my house that I just haven't had an opportunity to get through. And I, I was looking forward to that. And then Saturday morning came, got to sleep finally Friday night, 5.30 in the morning. All of a sudden I hear this, this noise, this, this pecking, this, this sound that just continues to happen. What in the hell is that sound? And I, I don't know if, if animals are just now like all in cahoots to torment me oh, yeah. in some I capacity, think so. but I think they hate you. I think that this definitely this is, and, and this is, I've heard of this and I've, I've seen one instance of it, but not to this point. There was a cardinal at 5.30 in the morning outside of our, the, the bedroom. There's two, two, uh, two doors, two glass doors going out to a, a pad, uh, like a, a, a patio uh, for, to the bedroom. And this cardinal was going from the tree, which was probably 15 feet from the house. Full blow. Boom. Into the door. <laughs> Goes back to the branch. Boom. Into the door. And then would go onto a chair and start pecking and pecking and pecking and try to get into the house. Like, I mean, just like f- sprawling into the, 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 the window, like it was kamikaze style, not just the beak, but like beak and, and claws and like everything, like trying to get in. Had, had to get in. Had to get in. I wonder if there was a nest or something inside. So, inside the house. So I don't know. Like it's got to protect its young. So I've heard of this. So that there's a reflection, and they see something. It's like oh, sparking. they think it's like yeah. They yeah. They, they so they try to get in somehow. But the, but this dude would go to the other side, try to get on that side, try to get in, and he would just continuously do this for five hours, <laughs> starting at five thirty in the morning. I mean, he's got some dedicated is a, is an understatement. And and this dude, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Maddie's going nuts, like trying to get this stupid bird because the bird's trying to come in the house. Maddie's like, what are you doing? Kemp's probably freaking out. Kemp, I'm like, yeah, no. Kemp was asleep. Finally woke up two hours later, which would have given me another two hours of sleep, which would have been terrific. If like if I could sleep till seven thirty, I would have been very happy about this. Nope. Next day, boom, five thirty in the morning, on the dot. Homeboy trying to come back in. That's why the Airbnb was available because no one wants to rent it because it's got a suicidal cardinal that just rams its face okay so you're looking there's like a there was like a chair outside the door like two feet from the door i you could see dry like when i look closer you could see the bird droppings like it has been doing this and (laughs) this this place has like five-star reviews like through the roof five-star reviews nobody mentions the cardinal that tries to get in there and wake you up at 5 (laughs) 30 in the morning it might be just you that thing no because i said something to the people i'm like you guys realize that you have a, a a a crazy cardinal that tries to wake everybody up at five 30 in the morning, every single oh, yeah, day. Yeah. Like you cannot sleep beyond five 30 in the morning in that house. The next day I had to get up and go to a different room on like an area, like the other side of the house because of this. And uh, yeah, so I got no sleep based on, uh, based on this cardinal coming in and just knocking through the door like for hours. We, we left at like 10 something in the morning on Sunday and homeboy was still about up there, like going at it, <laughs> just trying to get into this thing. <laughs> 
The lunatic. Was that the only encounter? You were on a 900-acre farm, and the, and the bird is the only encounter? Oh, no. I had a couple other encounters. So we, um, you, you're able to, from what they'd said, they're like, you can go up to the cow. The cows are very docile. Like they're just, just don't make any like sudden movements. Or like, if you see them with their young, like don't, you probably don't want to approach them then because they may become protective. Uh, but, but there are certain areas where they have, um, some of the calves that, that are either the mother got sick or just was abandoned or whatnot. And they have them separated. So like you could go up to them and, and, and like and pet them they're very friendly but if you go up to the young they will they're they're usually expecting a bottle at that point so i'm like okay no problem we went after dinner to show camp like i went up and approached the young and and they're they're definitely like trying to like get a bottle and then to a certain point it gets like way more aggressive like they're like trying to like find an udder or like trying to like trying to somehow get milk at some capacity and i'm like all right this guy is getting they're small, but they're still a cow. Probably like 200 some pounds. You know, yeah. it's a small cow, which is still a, a, a strong animal. Going to lose a finger or something. Or yeah, worse. or way worse. <laughs> way worse. I'm like, I'm like, Bevin, we got to get Kemp out of here because I need to be able to punch this cow in the face if it tries to milk me. And we're, we're going. Like, I have to use brute force to get out of here. If, can if, milk a cat, Greg? Can you milk me? Yeah, out, of the, out of sheer necessity to escape here. And I... And I can't do it holding a, a, a two and a half year old. So, just in case, let's let's be, let's be on the top of this and uh, and and not let it get to that. So yeah, that was the other one. And then teach you to go away. Yeah, but no, it was it was fun. It was relaxing. It was it was it was well needed. I, I recommend if anybody has the opportunity to get out and and just hit the country, go camping, do something. Just like get out of your house and mm. and just take a. Take a break, man. It was it was very very uh, liberating. It felt really good. I'm doing that in two weeks. Yeah, going away uh, with um, so buddy my 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 uh, best man at my wedding. He was supposed to be married in May. Uh-huh. Obviously, they had to cancel that. So they're going to do a Zoom ceremony. Oh boy, in uh, two weeks in uh, upstate New York. So we're going we're going up there for that. Cool. Should be interesting. Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting. I'm sure it's different, different, uh, different times, right? They're still gonna do a of like a full family party gathering reception sometime down the line yeah. when everything's cleared up. But I think they just want to be married. Yeah, I understand that. Um, no, yeah, get out of the house. Like it's, I recommend it so much. It's just to, just for your own mental sanity. It was a, it was definitely a good break to get out of this, uh, out of the daily routine of doing the same thing every single day or damn close to it. So uh, yeah. it was a good brain break for me. Groundhog Day. You're doing this. Yeah. Same, sitting at the same desk, at, looking at the same laptop every day, and baseball still bitching back and forth. Nothing's changed. Pretty much. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Submit your mailbag questions. Go, go check out BetOnline.ag. Go check out Richard Allen Coffee with Code Bronx, and we will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.